0: ala We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. So we're continuing our study of Riyadh al Salihin, Gardens of the Righteous and now we're going to the third hadith which is also narrated by Ummul al-Mu'mineen, the mother of the believers, Aisha. Assalamu
1: alaikum. Uh, to begin, narrate Aisha, Allah's messengers, uh... Prophet Muhammad said There is no immigration after the conquest of Mecca But only jihad Striving and fighting in the cause of Allah Will continue in good intention Seeking Allah's pleasure only So if you are summoned to fight Go forth
0: Okay, so, so this ayah, or this hadith, um, this is the third hadith in, in this section, and already we have a hadith that's speaking about fighting. So now let's make sense of what's being discussed here. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, is reported to say there's no hijrah after the conquest. Okay? Now, this is one of those things that you can read all kinds of different ways, but here, at one level, what is being addressed, that with the conquest of Makkah happening, uh, Islam being established, there's no need to go anywhere else. Okay. There's no need to move anywhere else. That now you're in the best case scenario. You're in a land that is run by the Prophet, peace be upon him. And and why would you go anywhere else? Okay. Um, and so then it says, except for jihad. Now in their context, what are they speaking about? They're speaking about expanding the lands of Islam. Okay. Now in today's world... Uh, or historically, uh, Muslim theologians, Muslim legal scholars, and political strategists would say there's two parts of the world. One part of the world is Darul Islam, the, the other is Darul Harb. So Darul Islam is the land of Islam, and Darul Harb is all the rest, which is translated as the land of war. And so <clears throat> the attitude back then, or the approach back then, was that you, know, you fortify the lands of Islam, and you just keep expanding, expanding, expanding the lands of Islam. Okay. But then, what happened uh, in the era of colonization is that the Europeans, the British, the Portuguese, the, the Dutch, the French, they figured out how to get inside Muslim lands and turn everything upside down. Right? <clears throat> so, if you look at the legacy of colonization, of colonialism in, um, in India, the British literally came in and turned the entire they restructured the entire society top to bottom. They even uh, did it to some degree in China. And they did it in just about all the Arab countries, if not them, then the French. Okay. And so now one of the big questions is, is there a Darul Islam today? If you speak to traditional Islamic scholars, they'll say, yeah. Okay. Those Muslim-majority countries are still al Islam. If you speak to uh, more of those scholars that are of the uh, reformist mindset, they'll say, not really, there isn't any Dar al-Islam anymore, which means there also no Dar al-Harb anymore. There's no land of Islam anymore, which means there's also no land of war anymore. And so, because the whole world has been restructured, we have to revisit uh, how we look at this. Right? But the real question is, what would this have to do with sincerity? Because this chapter is all about sincerity, right? And there we have it touched upon in the last part of this, of this uh, hadith. Okay? Um, that basically what you have is niya, intention. Now, first, how does intention relate to the content of this hadith? Uh, it's very easy to fall into the trap of being a Muslim nationalist uh, or a Muslim triumphalist, where you want Muslims to win no matter what. Okay? And the problem with that outlook is that it becomes tribalistic as opposed to focus on justice. Tribalism focuses more on vengeance, justice focuses more on on equilibrium. And the point is that if you just want Muslims to win and to dominate, then you just want conquest. Your intention should be to serve Allah. And your intention from start to finish should be to serve Allah, which means if there is conflict and victory, it's up to Him. If there is loss, then you did something wrong. See what I'm saying? In no point can you take credit for victory, but you, can't, you do take credit for loss. You take blame for loss. Okay? Because your goal is to serve Allah. Okay? And so if we put these, these hadith together, first hadith is speaking about, uh, you know, you have the worldly things and then the otherworldly things, and you've got to keep your intentions straight. The second is addressing people who are at war, yet <laughs> war itself by and large is very hard to make it fair. And people who are either participating in the war or get pulled into the war as casualties uh, or collateral damage, you know this world is not going to be fair to them. And they will be lifted up according to their intentions. And likewise, shifting from that army that's coming against us, you looking at yourself coming against them, make sure your intentions are totally pure. So when we think to the first two battles, the Battle of Badr and the Battle of Uhud, the Battle of, the Badr, the Battle of Badr when Muslims were there and they saw so many well-equipped equipped Quraysh on the other side, they had to go through a thought where they thought, we got nothing here to protect us except our faith. When you can reach that point of resignation, then it almost becomes easier to keep your intentions straight. Because otherwise, they're doomed. They're going to run. Okay? Battle of Ohad was different. Battle of Ohad, they had all the strategy, and they were winning the battle just about, win, just about done. And then there's the famous event where the archers who were told, don't move, don't move, don't move, they saw that the battle was done, they didn't want to miss out on any of the loot, and so they started leaving their post, and then what they didn't realize was that Khalid bin Walid, who at the time was with the Quraysh, was waiting on them to leave their post, and then he came in with his horses, stormed through, wiped everybody out, Quraysh wins, okay? And in, in Allah says, this is in the third surah, that in that moment you loved the world more than you loved Allah, Right? And the biggest place where you see that test is in something like war. Because war has all the worst things of the dunya in it. It has fighting and bloodshed, right? It has uh, the possibility of taking other people's properties, of cashing in like war profiteers. Like all the worst possible things you find, you find in war. And yet, it's a bitter reality that sometimes you have to do. And so think of war as the extreme thing where you have to keep your intentions straight. And thus, in a way, it makes everything else easier in perspective. You know, keep your intention straight in terms of your personal relationships. Keep your in- intention straight in terms of your academic endeavors. See what we're saying?
1: Yeah, I have a question. Yeah. So at the last part it says, so if you are summoned to fight, go forth. Okay. Can you explain that?
0: Okay. So here, the point being that you yourself should not be the one who is calling to, to or uh, seeking to, to fight, seeking to conquest. Okay. Nor should you be afraid to do so. No. Right, because if my service is to God, then uh, my fear should be of God. Okay? And if I'm summoned to fight in the way of God, knowing it's clearly in the way of God, as opposed to some people making some stuff up, then I should put my trust into God. Right, which could mean I come back in one piece, could mean I die, or it could mean that I come back completely injured, and 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 whatever it is, it was out of service to Allah. Right. And so there, it's especially important to keep your intention straight. Okay. Now, I don't know how many conflicts in 2016 can we say are purely in service to God. That's a much harder thing to, to address. Just like people say, you know, these wars and those wars are people uh, acting out of their hatred of Islam. I don't think that's really true. I think people, like many of America's interventions, are, are, are to seize control of, of natural resources. Because if you can control the energy resources, you control the world, right? And also, you know, as the police of the, of the world, it's to try to force stability to happen. Right? And so what I'm saying is it might be attacks on Muslims as a consequence because that's where the oil is. But I'm not convinced that these attacks are on Muslims just because they're Muslim. In this new upcoming uh, administration, who really knows? But thus far in my lifetime, I
1: don't think it's that way.
0: Any other thoughts or questions? No, it's
1: really interesting.
0: Okay, uh, we've got a few more minutes. Let's do uh, the next one.
1: Uh, Narrated Jabbar bin Abdullah (laughs) Al-Ansari We uh, we accompanied Allah's Messenger, uh, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam In an expedition when he said There are some people in Al-Medina who are with you in spirit wherever wherever you march And whichever valley you cross They have not joined you in person because of their illness One version says they share a reward with you It is narrated in Bukhari from Anas bin Malik. We were coming back from the Battle of Tabuk with Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he remarked, There are people left behind in medina who stood by us, supported us in spirit, and every pass we cross, and every valley we traverse. They remained behind only on the account of some valid excuse. Okay.
0: So now we got another dimension of, of armed conflict. One was people come to attack us. Two, we moving forward. And now number three are the people who don't go and fight. right? So the Prophet, peace be upon him, is saying there are some people who didn't join us because they had a valid excuse. right? So there are some people who are going to skip the fight because they don't want to fight. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to get killed. But there are others who are... Willing to fulfill the obligation, but for whatever reason, they're held back. Maybe they couldn't afford the equipment, right? Maybe they're ill. Whatever it is, they had a real excuse. And we're going to see another narration about this, uh, a really long one um, uh, down the line, a few hadith down. And we'll get into that uh, then. But the point is, again, relating this to intention. So you have an Islamic obligation, let's say it's to make your prayers or to fast or to give the Zakat, the annual charity. Mm-hmm. And let's say you don't. Uh, ask yourself, what is your true intention? Why? Is it lack of willpower? Is it that you had these other obligations, you know, whatever they might be, that just prevented you and made you miss them, miss these Islamic obligations, right? And so what are we saying here? That when you're summoned to fight, as we saw in the previous hadith, you should go fight. Um, but if you're being held back, you should be very clear with yourself about what your excuse is. And what we're going to see in this Hadith that comes a little bit later is we have a companion of the Prophet, peace be upon him, who what held him back was that he had this cloak that he just started getting attached to, and that little, what we would consider to be this insignificant attachment to this insignificant cloak, was enough for him to uh, fall short and not go the battle. Okay. And we'll talk about that more when we get to it, but the point is that what is it that usually holds me back Uh, from fulfilling my obligations, whether they're big or small, it's somewhere, it's an attachment to the world. And so, uh, if I have a real reason for not being able to fulfill an obligation, my intention is enough, and it shall be rewarded according to my intention. We talk about that a lot, you know, in Sunday schools and such. Mm -hmm. So the easiest example of that is Hajj, right? So you have to go on Hajj once in your life if you're able, Mm -hmm. financially able, physically able, okay? Let's say for whatever reason you're not financially able, but you really, really wish you could go, you're getting credit for having gone, right? If you didn't care about going or not, that doesn't matter if you were financially able or not, okay, if you didn't go. But the point is that you should have built into your heart a yearning to serve Allah, and that informs your intention. And it may be that Allah will give you a pathway to fulfill your, uh, your intention, mm. but sometimes he won't. And yet he's still rewarding you for it. Right. Mm. And so again, we're using the biggest examples here of, uh, of war. And this would then apply to everything smaller, meaning everything where there's less things at risk, like your acts of worship and such. Right. And so again, uh, continuing the theme of intention. Uh, we'll stop here. And so next time, inshallah, we'll do uh, Hadith number five. Okay. Okay. Alright, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu in la ilaha illa anta nastaagfirukana to be ilayk wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabil alameen